Welcome to today's episode of Juicing the Numbers, your statistics and sports podcast. I'm one of your hosts, Joshua Tracy. And I'm Corwin Heller. And we're back. We missed a couple again. Oh, well. Um, yeah, such is life. It is uh, December 14th. I think, I think we just need to be honest and say this is no longer a regularly scheduled podcast. We're going to do it when we do it. We're going to do it as time allows, which is honestly how life should be done. Yes. Um, anywho, there have been many signings in the world of baseball. There have been uh, a handful of trades. There's been some some football stuff to, to get into. Um, what's Oakland doing? Who knows? We're going to find out. Um but Corbin, I feel as though we should start with the biggest free agent move since the last we spoke, which is Carlos Correa officially leaving the free agent market. That makes all three now of the shortstops, which we'll also be talking about Xander in a moment, um, having been signed and all of them got, well, a fuck ton of money. <laughs> uh, interestingly enough, though, Carlos Correa, 13 years $350 million to sign with the San Francisco Giants. Um, that AAV is a touch under $27 million per year, which actually has him at a lower AAV, although more years uh, than Trey Turner and just a skosh above uh, Xander Bogarts in terms of AAV. Um it's wild to see 13 years, but the, the term on a lot of these deals has been relatively surprising. You know, Aaron Judge getting nine, Trey and Xander both getting 11. We've seen some uh, Brandon Nimmo getting eight, which we'll also be talking about later. Like we, we've been seeing, I guess, a lot more willingness than we have in the past for the years. But what do you think about this deal? I mean, the big three are all coming in at, age 41 seasons when their contracts expire i i cannot foresee a future where at least one if not all of these contracts are looked back at incredibly unfavorably there's just so much room for this all to blow the fuck up huge numbers huge years guys who have been relatively consistent throughout their careers no question about it but all have questions involving either longevity or um the fact that i mean carlos correa is not coming off a good season i mean i know xander has been up and down but he's going from a hitter's ballpark to a pitcher's ballpark doesn't play good defense trey turner has a great bat high average you know great contact but a game built off of speed really doesn't translate when you're 41 years old uh, i don't doubt that they are going to put up a lot of war for each of these teams over the next couple of years but god 11 seasons age 41 all of them just that it's fucking nuts I, I will push back on Carlos Correa coming off a bad year. He had 5.4 war, a 140 OPS plus, which is 11 points what? career average, uh, and missed 26 games in there, which I, he could have very reasonably been putting up even better numbers did, had he played. 
did he spend two years in Minnesota or just no, the just, one? Just the just the one. Minnesota. What the fuck was I smoking? This is part of the funny thing about Minnesota. And we talked about this when this contract happened, which was like you just paid uh let me get the exact number because I want to say it's in the thirties of millions of dollars. Um yeah, thirty-five million dollars for a one-year rental of Carlos Correa, in which not only did you not win the World Series, not only did you not go to the ALCS, you didn't make the playoffs. And because his contract had an opt-out for this year, you don't get anything for him leaving. <laughs> so that's that's I think going to be looked upon significantly with more scrutiny than this deal from the Giants perspective, just because it seems like they, they get, they let Carlos Correa steal $35 million from them. It worked out splendidly for Carlos. Cause this is exactly what we talked about last year from Carlos's perspective. If he could have a, a good one year and then opt out and get the big money that he wanted. Cause he was coming off of an, uh, slightly down, not even, you know, it wasn't even down. I think he was just injured at the end of it uh, in Houston. Um, that last year, he still finished fifth in MVP voting. Um, I think there was more concerns around his back at that point in time. Kind of like a prove it deal thing, which he did. He, he, I mean, he is an above average hitter in so many aspects of his game. The only of his sliders on baseball savant in which he is less than the 50th percentile or better is sprint speed where he's 45th and outs above average at which he was 18th last season. Um, he excels in mass max exit velocity, his expected weighted on base, expected batting average, and expected slugging. His expected uh, his barrel percent and walk percent are both uh, extraordinary. He is uh, rock solid as a player, and uh, wow, coming from shortstop, always has the ability to transition over to the second or third in his age. But it's um, I, I I'm also not sure. You know, come his age forty one season. Or come any of these guys is age 41 season. Like, if we go back, sounds so stupid, but if we go back 10 years to 2012 and spot track, I don't think even goes back that far if you have the free version, which I just don't have. Um, I'm willing to bet that whatever the biggest contract, you know what? I'm going to see if I can find it that the biggest contract uh, by AAV of that year was astronomical. And I, it just, 27 million for Carlos Correa in, in 10 years is probably going to look amazing as long as he keeps up some level of his normal production. And I think same thing goes for Trey or Xander. Um, it's the nature of the, the beast baby. The, uh, you know, contract values get withered by inflation and uh, increased earnings much as anything else does. So. I'll give that to you, you know, excuse me, contract numbers absolutely, absolutely shrink. And looking back, it could absolutely be shown to be, you know, look, they're the people signing these deals are infinitely smarter than the two of us without question. Hey, watch your math. <laughs> um, genius. I don't know. It's just, I am very, very much looking forward to be proven wrong. It's just the shock value alone. Would you like to know the biggest contract signed in 2012? Yes, please. 
Zach Ranking. No way. Six years. And can you guess the number? Total contract value. Six-year deal. I'll say six years for $150 million. Dude, you're so good at this. 147 Fuck yeah, dude. Which, I mean, is going to be what? Like $22 million a year? Yeah, it's just over 20. 20 24 and a half. I mean, that's that was the biggest contract value of the last of 10 years ago of 2012. Dude, I mean, Carlos Rodon is going to blow through that. And in 2012, after Zach Greinke finished his season in <laughs> Anaheim, which, man, Hello. I did not realize he played in Anaheim. Um, He was, I mean, the top pitcher available heading into the next, heading into that offseason. Hell, I bet if he wanted to keep playing, he could blow through that number. Yeah. Uh, I would think so. Not really, but it'd be pretty funny if it did. It would be awesome. Just, I want to look at some of these other contract guys. Josh Hamilton signed a five-year, $123 million contract to play with the Angels, which is hilarious. Um, And in retrospect, because we did not, obviously did not have this show in 2012, why the Angels would let Zach Greinke walk, but take on Josh Hamilton for what is only the difference of $24 million, which is essentially the AAV of Zach Greinke, is really puzzling, but whatever. Um, Yeah, I mean, those are the only two contracts over $100 million in value. The next, the third biggest contract, the third biggest contract of 2012 was Anibal Sanchez. No fucking way. <laughs> Going from the Tigers back to the Tigers for $80 million, five years. When did Justin Verlander leave Detroit? Uh, 2017. He got traded. Really? Yeah, he was traded from Detroit to the Astros. Wow. I didn't. I do not remember that lasting yes, as long as it did. Holy shit. Oh, dude! I remember him going to the Astros. I just don't remember it being 2017, him still being on the fucking Tigers. I remember it clear as day because the Yankees were in the running to get him, but they didn't want to give up like Clint Frazier and um, like uh, some other random Jamoke prospects that became nothing, as often happens with prospects. Um, Hey, James Shields trade. Yeah, there you go. By the way, Hunjin Ru also had signed with the Dodgers from Japan at that point in time, uh, 2012. $36 million for six years. All right. Under the assumption that 2012 was a, a weak year, let's look at 2013, which did have a $200 million contract. Oh, ho, ho, ho. And it was Robinson Cano, 10 years. million uh, signed by the Mariners. And even that contract, $24 million per year, is not bad. Obviously, it didn't work out super well for the Mariners because, I mean, they have a host of other issues that were not Robinson Cano. But I got to say, that's not bad at all. 
hindsight being 2020, I think you still make that deal. Yeah, I mean, especially looking, he had two top 10 MVP finishes in his time with Seattle. He had three all-star appearances. His lowest OPS plus was 117. And other than that, I'm sorry, no, his lowest was 114. Uh, And then he had uh, 142, 138, uh, 136. I mean, he was a great hitter his entire time there obviously we have those last few years of his career as recency bias uh, for the tougher to watch robinson cano you know his time with the Mets, and then his negative 37 ops plus with the padres his six ops plus with atlanta um those numbers are very very bad uh and he will not see the end of this contract because uh they signed him through what it would have been his age 41 year season. And uh, he's only 39 heading. He's heading into his age 40 season. I should say, I can't imagine he gets picked up by a club, uh, but I also don't think it Who pays that money really. now. Oh, that's a great question. I have no idea. Wait. Yeah, I know. I have no, who owes Robinson can no money. It's gotta be. Oh no! It wouldn't be the would it? Oh, I, huh? Boy, I have okay. no fucking idea. Okay. Okay, so so I'm looking at the spot track page, and it appears to be a mess. So, the Mets owe him. It appears because it looks like they've all all of the Mets, Braves, Padres, and. Mariners appear to have retained some amount of his salary, but I can't tell how much they all owe. So if I'm reading his page correctly next year, which I believe is the final year of his contract, he would be owed $20 million from the Mets and $4 million from the Mariners is how I believe I'm reading this. Yeah. Wow. Last year, he was owed twenty million from the Mets, eighty thousand dollars from the from the Braves. Actually, no, I think seven hundred eighty thousand dollars from Atlanta, and then seven hundred eighty thousand dollars from uh, the Padres, and four million dollars from the Mariners. Could not tell me that I couldn't do better than negative thirty-seven OPS. Okay, wait, hold on. I think I think I'm understanding how this is written. The seven hundred thousand dollar part is what the total value of that contract would have been if he played his entire time there, because that's league minimum. Of which, for those teams, the Padres in Atlanta, he only collected eighty seven, eighty thousand dollars in change from each. So it would have been twenty million dollars from the Mets, eighty thousand seven hundred sixty six dollars from Atlanta, eighty thousand seven hundred sixty nine dollars from the Padres. I don't know why that number is slightly different. And then uh, $4 million from the Mariners. <laughs> it's absolutely amazing. So, yes, I would assume that the this is saying that the Mets and the Mariners owe him money next year and they both pay. I Imagine getting paid a yearly salary, $80,000. That's way above median American household income. 
to be the worst fucking person in an entire organization of organizations for for like a week for for 12 games with the Padres and nine games with Atlanta for a total fucking real of 21 games he got paid you know $161,000 which is nothing for a baseball player but is so much for a regular american he had 21 work days last year and Dude, brought in $161,000. He probably had to take like an Uber to the stadium rather than like a private he's car. so poor. Yeah. Holy shit. Yeah. Um, the other over $100 million contracts that year were Masahiro Tanaka, seven years, $155 million, which again, I, I mean, we haven't, ah, dude, I miss him so much. But uh, I was about to say, we haven't broken. Thirty million dollars a year. I don't think we've broken twenty five yet in these conversations or looking at these can, um these players. That's twenty. Can you pull up the Alex Rodriguez contract, the mega contract, just for comparison? Yes. Wait one second. Hey Rod, what do you got? My computer is loading. Uh, all right, here we go. So he signed his mega deal with the Yankees in 2008, and it was 10 years, $275 million, which, I mean, is Trey Turner money now. Jesus Christ. Yeah, I mean, that's $27.5 million a year, which is good, but for reference... Players who are making more than that by AAV just signed this offseason. Uh, Aaron Judge, Trey Turner is right there. Jacob DeGrom, Justin Verlander. All those guys, AAV-wise, are making more than him. Um, and that is, again, just this offseason. Holy shit. Yeah. What about the uh, Rangers contract? Uh, his contract with the Rangers was signed in 2001, and obviously there was some chicanery with this, uh, or I think it was an opt-out that led to the Yankees contract because this is a 10-year contract that would have gone into 2020, 2010, but again, he signed his 08 contract with the Yankees, but I don't remember how that went. Anyway, Too sure. that was a 10-year, $252 million contract, which would have been, you know, 25.2 mil per season, which uh, again does l- not look like it looks like nothing. Players who would beat him that I didn't oh, already mention uh, <clears throat> Carlos Correa and Xander Bogarts. That's also only $5 million more than Anthony Rizzo just signed for per season. And Clayton Kershaw, who is like 90. Jock Peterson just signed the for nineteen six five. The only thing that makes me feel good about that is knowing there's like twelve years of inflation to add to it. Even yeah, so, but, right? It is. It is a. It is big money, but also like yeah, you know, that's what happens with these with these contracts over time. Those kind of mean less. And for San Francisco, with Correa to kind of have that spot locked up. If you can have your number one starter, your shortstop, or your center fielder 
locked up for that term, that's worth a ton. Just to not have to f- worry about those positional groups as you try to build a a I don't want to say rebuild because the Giants aren't like I think it's taken a, a much more aggressive connotation like you're going from the bottom of the barrel and the Giants weren't good last season but they were definitely not like the Orioles or the Rockies uh, but as you're looking to retool a team having that guy that that spot on the roster locked in. Not only does it give you more flexibility with looking for you know other gaps to fill, it also gives you more flexibility on trading. Because if you have shortstops that are down in your farm system, or if you want to see shortstops as potential second baseman, then second baseman down in your farm system, middle infielders in your farm system, um, that you might have needed to lean on with the uncertainty of your middle infield status going forward. And you look at this as a way to kind of shore it up you know, you, you have a log jam there. You can start moving on from some of those top prospects a little bit more readily because you know you don't need them, at least in that spot. Padres. That, exactly. It's exactly what the Padres did. It, Traded it's away the right every way prospect to do it. we have, but still have three starting caliber shortstops on the roster. Not even on the roster, that, in the starting lineup. That's the way to do it. Um. So I, I love this for the Giants. It's obviously great for Correa. I still, it sounds so stupid. I feel like he could have gotten more, um, but I guess he might have been prioritizing term over anything else, which, hey, no fault. That man wants to play baseball till he's 40 and make gobs of money doing it, and he will do just that. So God bless Uh, speaking of your Padres, though, unless you have any more thoughts on Correa. No, go ahead. Xander oh, Bogarts. Uh, I do love, I saw this. I do love that uh, he still has to go to the Dodgers 20 times a year and get booed every time he shows up. And it will only make him stronger. Probably. Uh, so... The Padres signed Xander Bogarts to an 11-year deal, for which is worth uh, $280 million. That is an AAV of about 25.5 mil per season. That will also put him playing until age 41. Uh, Corwin, this is your team. How does this make you feel? Well... Wow. He wasn't my first choice. <laughs> wasn't my first choice. That being said, if we were going to get someone to take all of the money we've been trying to dish out to seemingly everyone, he is a reliable, consistent hitter who doesn't need to play shortstop, so his defense really won't matter nearly as much. And I'm very content. I'm not over the moon. I'm happy. Content is right where I'd want to be. Where do you think he'll be playing in uh, on the infield? Second you base. Think he'll be okay. Because you got Manny at third, although he's probably opting out next year, um, which colors this signing a lot. Um, and then you've got, I guess, Hassan Kim still at short, mm-hmm. and then Cronenworth over at first. Yes. Yeah, which is 
an awesome defensive infield. I know Bogarts has had his up and down seasons coming off a gold glove year. Um, hopefully it holds up a little bit more consistently at second base rather than short, but what a lineup that would be. Yeah, I, I think second base is perfect for him. His arm strength is bad, 29th percentile, um, but he has showed a, a much better propensity for defense this year, so I, I think that his glove is certainly fine. It's just it doesn't it, keeping him from having to make the strong throws, I think, is probably for the, for the best, um, especially if you feel good about Hassan Kim there. Um, from what I've I'm heard happy. from my Boston Red Sox close friend, he makes all the plays that he – Excuse me. He makes all the plays when he gets to the ball. It's just, is he there in time and in the right spot? Should be easier at second base. One one would think. Um, especially because second base shouldn't be getting as fucked with the um, removal of the, uh, the shift, I would think. Actually, it might be tougher because then it makes left-handed hitting a little bit trickier to pick up on. I don't know. Actually, that's going to be really interesting to see. Uh, granted, his defense has never been good. This His first year being good on defense was this past season. So it, it, who 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 knows? Um, maybe it'll be even better or worse. Who's to say? Maybe anyway. it'll be exactly the same. This is like talking about stocks. Maybe it goes up. Maybe it goes down. No one knows. Uh, That's but, like 90% of sports discussion. You have no idea. Nobody has any idea. If Xander Bogarts plays at his career level for the term of this contract, is he a Hall of Famer? Because it would put him at 70 war. He currently has 35. He's played 10 seasons. This is an 11-year contract. Let's just double his numbers. If he I mean, double all of his numbers, he would have about... Actually, if you give him 11 seasons, he'd probably get to 3,000 hits, but that's, just, again, assuming this pace holds. Uh, he'd be at about 300 home runs and 70 war. I think oh. uh, in this day and age, if you are an all-star caliber player for essentially every season of your career without any drop in production until you're 41 years old, you're, that's a Hall of Fame career. I would think so, too. What's what's wild is um, how much war Carlos Correa has, which is 40. Um, Holy shoot. Two, two fewer years playing, and he's at 40. So if you give him 13 years to do to do what what it is he does it's um wow he already has okay hold on so he has 933 hits if we add in his career average uh per season of 170 times 13 gives him 3000 hits uh same thing with the home runs 155 oh hold goddamn Plus, uh, his career average is 28 per season, 13 seasons. It's 500 home runs, and he'd be at like 80. He'd probably be at like 90 war. Oh, man, that's a first ballot guy. Easy. Anyway, all right, we can do this with everybody, but there's no point. Um, The interesting thing about the Xander Bogart's contract 
well, well, one, what it means for the Red Sox, which I guess we can talk about in just a second. But the fact that it does feel like Manny Machado opt-out insurance, which is a little bit weird um, because he's like definitely going to opt out after this insane free agent market this year. Um, he has left on his contract five years at 32 mil a piece, which is uh, 160. So five years, 160. And it feels like he could certainly beat that based on, again, this market. Um, he'll be entering his age 31 season uh, if he should opt out after the end of the season. Um, and dude, honestly, who fucking knows? He could get six years and 200 mil seemingly, I would almost feels like easy peasy. They're like six years to to two forty or so. Who fucking knows? Yeah, he's gonna it, get stupid money. But what's interesting about it is it feels like the Padres have been trying to throw money at everyone, and it almost feels like why stop with Manny when he is been the best player on your team consistently for the past you know four seasons. Oh, I mean, if you ask me to you know, put a gun to my head and ask me what I think will happen. I fully expect Manny to come back and get just the brink truck backed up to his front door. I think with how much he's been a team leader and put it all out there, you know, through thick and thin throughout the ups and downs of this team getting kind of built, I I think they do whatever they can to bring him around or keep him here. I, I would hope only because I like Manny in, in San Diego. Um, he's been thriving Ooh. there. That makes me happy is I would hope that there is a Kershaw Dodgers esque relationship there right. where they keep giving him opt outs, but they also keep giving him new contracts. So it's basically like you dictate the future. You dictate the terms. Just keep coming back here to bring up when you need it. We got you, buddy. Um, Hypothetical question for you. If, let's say, this endless flow of cash that the Padres have some seemingly stumbled into ends, or there is an end in sight, and they have, you know, two guys next offseason that they need to re-sign, both of them want six-year deals, do you sign... Manny Machado, or do you sign Juan Soto? Juan Soto. Well, the, the problem is that Juan Soto is going to want a apparently 15-year, $500 million contract after what we've been seeing this offseason. Um, I think you sign... I mean, it's unfortunate. This, this oh, is shit. the assumption. It's the same length of contract for both. If it's the same length of contract for both... Oh, this is tough. Because Soto is such an unreal hitter, but Manny is a fucking amazing hitter and one of the best defenders in baseball and plays a pretty fucking important position on the diamond, whereas Soto loses some value for playing in right field. Oh, shit. I think I would keep Manny... I don't know. 
Well, how are you? What do you feel? <laughs> if given the caveat of the six years, I mean, Manny's what, 32? He's going to be entering his 31 season when this opt-out comes up. I think that being said, I think, fuck, fuck, man, I don't know. I don't like this game. Keep him both. I, know, I don't either. I guess Juan Soto, just because you're getting him through his prime and you don't have to beg the question of is anything going to die off with age and injury? I don't like the question. I want to keep both forever. I want to I mean... name them the San Diego Manny Sotos. Well, and you're 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 elucidating the, the exact issue, which is that you're going to get the better hitter with Soto, but you're going to get a very important infield position locked up with Manny. And As... it's like how how big of and it's really just how plus you know Soto will be younger. And it's like how mm-hmm. much of those factors weigh against each other. As Machado ages and kind of loses that step at third. Do you think that, you know, gold glove level defense at third would transition to plus defense at first? Is that how it works? I would think the first stop would be second, but I also have yeah. no clue. Because the difference with third is um, you don't have to have quite the same range as you do at like short. But you do have to maintain your arm strength, right? That's going to be the real question, and that I just have no—I have no fucking clue. Not a single hmm. fucking clue. I guess um, going to second would make a lot more sense than just getting dumped at first because it's an entirely different, like it's a similar skill set rather than a complete change in position and and role and all of that. Of just hey, I throw ball good now, catch ball good. Alternatively, uh-huh. they could put Machado in the outfield. As a thought. Like a left field, right field? Probably right. Corner guy? Yeah. Uh, by the way, if Manny Machado has an eight-war season next year, which is within the realm of possibility because he's very fucking good, yeah. he'll finish the season at 60-war. Well. And will be a Hall of Fame. It's the other thing that we're debating between is like you're asking if you could pick one potential first ballot hall of famer which would you have and the answer is they're both really fucking good yeah it's hard to go Um, wrong with either yeah obviously soto is significantly lesser in the career war department because his career has not been as long as man machado's yet two 24 he's entering his age 24 season um yeah machado 11 years uh versus one soto's five uh, but in those five years, 23.2 war, which is just, yeah, he's so fucking good. Yeah. Um, all right. So let, let's just talk, I guess, real brief about what this means for the Red Sox, which <laughs> I, I, who the fuck uh, knows what's going on there? Well, what I can't figure out. Okay. Oh, God. So the Red Sox bring in Heimblum. From the Rays. And I think the assumption that I had, I would imagine most people had, I don't remember if we were recording 
yet when this happened. It feels like right on the cusp there. It feels like what I think we all envisioned was the Rays are run very well at this point in time with no money. Let's bring that mentality of hunting for excess or surplus value and like, you know, arbitraging value between between uh, your back end roster and other teams and put it on a team that has money and has an owner willing to spend. So let's take the guy who is heavily involved in that in the Rays, Heim Bloom, put him on the Red Sox. Got it. What has transpired, though, is like anything but that. Because since he's taken over, they've... I mean, Mookie Betts, gone. Xander Bogarts, gone. Rafi Devers still doesn't have a new contract. They haven't signed anybody of note. The players that they've gotten back for Mookie Betts have been fine. I mean, Alex Verdugo is a guy, uh, kind of. Christian Vasquez is now also gone. Uh, Nathan Eovaldi, gone. Chris Sale is, I mean, been perennially injured, but they've never found a real replacement for him. I don't know what this team is supposed to be anymore. And it seems like they don't know either. And I mean, they're, this isn't to say that like Xander Bogarts is the straw that is breaking this camel's back, but it's weird to see a team that was as well positioned as the Red Sox were just three years ago, 2019, Dave Dombrowski running the team. Uh, the 2019 Red Sox, you know, third in the AL, but like, who cares? They had Xander Bogarts, Rafi Devers, Andrew Benintendi, Mookie Betts, Jackie Bradley Jr., J.D. Martinez, Christian Vasquez, Mitch Moreland, um, Porcello, Price, Sale, Ivaldi, Rodriguez. I mean, it was a pretty good team, even though that was kind of a down year for them. There's nobody. Now you've got Trevor Story, which is like, why? You signed <laughs> Kenley Jansen. That contract. Yeah, uh, Ken, Kenley Jansen, that. which again is like, why? why? Uh, James Paxton? Oh, is everyone real jazzed about 32-year-old Rob Refsnyder? Eric Hosmer's on your team for some fucking reason. Who you still uh, Eric Hosmer. Oh, my God. Rafi Devers is still there, but I'm pretty sure um, he's going to end up holding out if you don't give him a new contract soon. He's in his third arbitration. Oh, so is he a free agent after this season? I don't know. Yes, he is. <laughs> Ooh, yes, he is. No good. He is an unrestricted free agent after this season. Oh, so They just signed uh, Yoshida, too. Oh, that's right. Yes, they did. Um. But it's it's a wildly puzzling team. Like their their configuration right now, if I had to guess, was going to be first base Haas, second base. Oh man, I'm already struggling. Uh, Bobby Dahlbeck, Christian Arroyo, May, maybe 
Actually, Christian Roy would make sense. I'm just I'm looking at the fan graphs projected. Shortstop would I guess be Trevor Story. Third base would be Rafi Devers. Left field, I guess, would still be Verdugo. Right field, center field would be Enrique Hernandez. Kiki, dude, who the fuck plays right? Who the fuck plays right field? Yoshida. Is Tommy Famstall. Oh, Yoshida. Okay, those are all names. Who catches? Reese McGuire. That's not even a real person. I want to say he was a prospect. He's 27. <laughs> no shit. So he's entering his age 28 season. And then uh, and then their rotation is is insane. It, Chris Sale starting this year. Who knows? <laughs> J- James Paxton. Oh, okay. I just saw him on the on 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 a couple teams. He has not really been playing, so sure. Holy shit! Their pitching is fucking horrible. Nick just Pavetta right through. Yeah, it's all bad. It's Holy just all bad. Shit. Uh, I don't be wrong. Their their pitching is Yankees. fucking disgusting. In the worst way. Yes. Holy shit. Thrilled as a Yankees fan, but Nick it is, um, Pavetta is your number two pitcher. Also, he's That's... your number two pitcher, assuming Chris Sale starting. Yeah, dude. Oh my god. Which is a big assumption at this point in time. Oh, we, I don't know. Whoa. They they are a big money team that needs to fucking act like a big money team. This shit's did, insane. Did you see the 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 tweets about um Heim Bloom's reaction to the um Xander Bogart signing? No. Where it, 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 apparently he was like staring at his phone and like his eyes had glazed over and reporter asks him what he think what he thought and he just stood there staring into the distance and then like walked away and then a reporter came back up to him and asked him what he thought and he just like couldn't answer <laughs> like a broken man like he apparently was just muttering to himself he felt like you know the birth of a of a meme and uh the thing i don't get about that is if you had such a strong reaction to this man signing somewhere else why wasn't your offer unbelievable to him yeah, that's what that's what I don't get. Like, look, the Yankees and, and and Judge went back and forth a little bit apparently, but at the end of the day, they made that shit work. That man's gonna pay forty million dollars a season. <laughs> you do what you gotta do, right? That's that's the job. There's there's places to make negotiation with with players, you know, that you feel as though maybe you can find that value elsewhere, and there's places where you don't. And if Xander Bogarts is one of those guys for you, and you know that's a judgment call, but if if he is one of those guys for you, you have to understand what where your cards are at. Because mm-hmm. if you don't think you can get that value somewhere else, and I'd love to see it, then you 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 need to be able to bring that guy back. Maybe they view Xander uh, uh, Trevor Story. They viewed him as uh, Xander Bogart's insurance, the same way that 
one seems to think Xander Bogarts is now Manny Machado insurance, but to that end, like, why? Well, I don't know why they would even have that perspective, especially after seeing how Trevor Story played this past season, which was, oh, ooh, not great. Yeah. You know what? He shouldn't get more responsibility. Oh, jeez. Uh, there's nothing more fun than watching teams we both hate just implode on themselves. Agreed. Mismanagement is so fun to watch from the outside looking in. Uh, speaking of which, Toronto, where are you guys? What are you doing? Um, the fucking oh, Thunderdome of pitching, that's for sure. Yeah, uh, well, that's the funny part. So they signed Chris Bassett to <laughs> three-year, $63 million contract, which is like... What? And that's what, that's what I'm saying by like, think about it like this. Chris Bassett's AAV is just a touch lower than the Alex Rodriguez first mega contract. This is a man with a career war of 13.5. He's been in the bigs for eight seasons on and off because he's been injured. Um, granted, he two top 10 Cy Young votes in 2020 and 2021. Uh, and this past season with the Mets, he finished with a 342 ERA, which is perfectly reasonable. Um, shocked, though, to see a $21 million AAV out of this guy. The term I completely understand, but that the dollars is just wild. And um I really just can't I just can't wrap my head around it for Toronto as this is as this being Toronto's only move. You know what I mean? Uh they just signed Kevin Kiermeyer. Oh, they did, didn't they? That'll save them. <laughs> All right, hold on. I have some comments here. One their lineup and like their team is fucking stacked, truly stacked. But they are going to have only one left handed batter in their starting lineup who they just signed today. Is that normal? Well, and uh, might I add, their lineup might be stacked, but they've proven themselves inept at winning when it matters they haven't won the division at all yet and they haven't gone past the first round of the playoffs and by that i mean the expanded wild card game yet and typically the thing that one would expect of a team in this position with so many young players that you don't owe a ton of money to yet with a wide open playoff window and an outside looking in payroll in terms of being like they're 12th their payroll is 12th in MLB. The White Sox run a higher payroll than them. The Rockies run a higher payroll than them. They're, they have the, and, and Toronto, we've talked about this in the past. If it was in the United States, it would be the fourth biggest city in the United States. It's fucking huge. The owners of the Blue Jays have a fortune that they're sitting on. The fact that the only two places they've spent money is on Chris Bassett and Kevin Kiermeyer is bananas. So even though that you know the lineup is good and the rotation is weird but that doesn't mean it's bad it's weird for them not to be trying to drag their nuts across the negotiation table I I mean I don't know man I just don't I just don't get it 
are there any big name and while outfield... they're starting pitching go ahead big name outfielders yeah are there any oh, no, no, free no, no. Agent we'll, outfielders take... left uh let's see one moment because you know there's not a lot of room on the diamond for Michael them to really them to make yeah. any sweeping major improvements outside of the outfield. I mean, a designated Danny Jansen is their designated hitter here. That that sucks. That's about as bad as that gets. Um, I just some outfield help really is all they need. Well, you know what they should have done then? They should have gone after Brandon Nimmo. Yeah. I mean, who's to say that they didn't? But, God, they <laughs> – we haven't talked about Brandon Nimmo. He got a lot of money. So he got a lot I, of money. I, but, I wouldn't put it past time, him attempting. But at the same time, his AAV, that money, is less than what they just gave to Chris Bassett. If you're talking, I cannot hear you, by the way. God damn it. Um, what was I saying? Their pitching no depth, Hinge and Rube, I assume he's going to be out for the most, if not all, of next season. Oh, I don't remember what his injury status is. Pitching is never going to hurt, especially when they have guys that are hurt. But uh, I just, I don't know. I Their pitching depth is wacky. Because it's, it's silly good. It's good if it all lands, which is the rub here. Because uh, it's it's Kevin Gaussman, who, I mean, when he is on, he is on. And when he's not, he is how he was in Atlanta. Um. Or at the or end Baltimore. in Baltimore. <laughs> yeah. Um, so, like, again, hit or miss. Hunjin Rue, hit or miss, especially with the health. Jose Barrios was a super questionable acquisition when that happened based on the degree of prospects that they had to surrender to get him. Um, and then, you know, but they got him. Very, and very he was, talented. And he was bad last season. He finished with a negative war. And he got right over five. Like it was a really bad last season for him. Um, coming off of a kind of mediocre time with them after the trade deadline two years ago. So that's a hit or miss player there. Um, you say Kikuchi, who has been a hit or miss dude in his time in uh Seattle. So uh, again, it's like a very it's granted. This is what you should do if you have uncertain pitching. You should just acquire guys. Like I totally get it. Oh, it's absolutely. Just it's just weird to see them only make two moves, and for those two moves to be Chris Bassett and Kevin Kiermaier. I because one of the, the philosophies that has been becoming a little bit more acceptable, I think, in large part to the Padres being uh, very good at it, is just go get good players. We'll figure out where they play. Yeah, we can start just go do it. nine shortstops if you want. Like, that's something we could do. And you know what? Viable strategy. You know what? Totally if, viable. If go you're either going to hit a home run or you're going to hit uh, or you're going to strike out, 
Who cares if they're playing out of position? The defense sucks. Good hitters, good fielders. They'll make plays. They'll make enough. I mean, imagine imagine what, what the, the, the 2023 Blue Jays would look like if they were the team that got Trey Turner. Oh, God, I would have loved that so much. I mentioned uh, Xander Bogarts not being my top choice. That was my top choice, obviously. Uh, Trey Turner would have been electric. He would have been the guy that the 2013 or whatever Blue Jays wanted Troy Tulowitzki to be. And then, uh-huh. boom, you can move on from Santiago Espinal or at least find a different spot for him and his 99 OPS plus um, and pretty good defense and then slot in either Bo Bichette there or if he doesn't feel like moving over, which, you know, fair, put Trey Turner there. And then, by the way, you have Bo Bichette insurance in case he hits free agency because you don't give him a long-term contract, which would be a mistake, but whatever. Um, and have someone that can play shortstop if he should move on. And then you're also, might I add, your infield defense is ludicrously good because it's Chapman at third, Bichette at short, and Turner at second, or flip-flop those last two either way. And that'd be ridiculous. You know, like, there were... Because I think the thing that's annoying is that they haven't even been rumored on these guys. And while, you know, seeing the Heyman tweets of people are, these teams are in the deal or they came in second, we make fun of because they're stupid. At least it hurts to not even see your team lying like that, you know? Like, oh, you really didn't care about being involved in this. That's tough. Right. Uh, I guess should we talk about Brandon Nimmo? Uh, it would be a good move to go over to the Mets. I'm looking at their Fangraphs page now, and they're starting pitching. On one hand, very good. Four of their five starters have at least ten years of service time. <laughs> That's fucking insane. And the fifth is a guy they signed yesterday. What does it mean, Corwin? <laughs> I don't know. It means Kodai Senga is going to have at least 10 years in the majors. Is that, is that what it means? <laughs> it, that is what it means, yes. I, I'm telling you that now. Reporting live from the scene. Corwin Heller just getting off the phone with uh, Steve Cohen. <laughs> Giving him a 10-year contract, even if he's horrible and does not translate to the majors at all, Forcing him to he play will be starting for the New York Mets. <laughs> so... Brandon Nemo has played for seven years here in the bigs. Um, he has led the league in that time in triples once this past season and hit by pitches once in 2018. Um, outside of that, he has been an above average hitter his entire career. He currently has a career 130 OPS plus, which he also finished with a 130 OPS plus last season, right on his career average. Um, he has 17.2 war, which is perfectly good. He plays okay outfield defense. Um, he's really annoying because he runs down to first uh, at full sprint every time he gets uh, a walk. Um, and he, <laughs> his politics are bad. I which wanted, makes him very annoying. I really but, wanted to give you, like, call you out, like, for him running out to first base. Because, like, oh, that's what you should be doing. But now I'm picturing him doing it, and it's every time I've ever seen him play, and it fucking sucks. It's so fucking <laughs> annoying. Um, 
But anyway, he is above average in everything on his sliders for uh, uh, StatCast outside of his hard hit percent, which is actually interesting. I wouldn't have expected that. Barrel percent, which makes sense when you go for that thing, and outfielder jump. But that outfielder jump does not hold him back as his outs above average is in the 90th percentile, which is very good. Um, so he is, by all accounts, a perfectly good player. Um, it's just wild, though. I don't have a good counter argument for it necessarily outside of prior context for these types of players and the contracts that they get. It's wild to see a man entering his age 30 season with these types of good, not great historical numbers, getting an eight-year contract worth over $20 million per season. I'm just blown away by it. I don't know. What 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 is your impression of this deal? I think like we talked about with the shortstops, this is kind of viewed as he is a guy who has played for this team, a guy that we value more than maybe the rest of the market, and we want more to make sure. Mother. Yeah. <laughs> Fair. My mother would not pay me $20 million a year, that's for sure. Um, we want to keep him. We want to make sure we keep him. He plays pretty good baseball, pretty good defense, everything you need from him. He's consistent. We put him in our lineup. That's just a position we're not going to have to worry about for six years, and we could focus in other spots. And the Mets just have the money that they can make that value that number. And not worry about it. It's it's. I just, look. This is the little song and dance we've done every time we've talked about one of these big contracts. Players getting paid is always a good thing. Owners always have more money, so let's let that be the case. The issue, and we talk about this with the Verlander contract. The issue that is going to be interesting to see how the Mets face is what happens if it doesn't work. That's the real question, because if you run and the Mets are set to run a three hundred and fifty million dollar payroll, the Mets plus Four, the luxury tax. Go ahead. No, yeah, I was, I was about to say plus the luxury tax, which they'll have to pay. They're going to run an over four hundred million dollar payroll this year. It was like four hundred and twelve, I think. Just fucking insane. What do you do? If it doesn't work, that's the, and again, it's Steve Cohen. He's worth billions of dollars. Baseball teams all make more money than, than, than they purport to make. So the money is certainly there, but like from a moral standpoint or from like a, like a, an emotional standpoint, I can't imagine anyone is going to want to run a billion dollar payroll that isn't winning the world series every single year and crushing 120 games. Right? So this is perfectly fine. Mm-hmm. What happens if it doesn't work? That's what I want to know because you're committing so much money to these various dudes. What happens if, I mean, even if it's not anyone's fault, let's say Brandon Nemo and Justin Verlander or uh, Carlos, Car- or not Carlos Correa, um, uh, Max Scherzer, Jesus Christ, Max Scherzer and Francisco Lindor both get hurt. Those two dudes or pick, 
two high paid dudes, doesn't matter which ones, they get hurt. The Mets win 89 games, miss the playoffs. What do you do? Do you just ride into the 2024 season with what you got? Because it's supposed to have worked. You paid all this money for it. Just didn't work out because people got hurt. Are you active in free agency next offseason? In in any context, actually. In any context. Any context at all. Because I'll check, but I don't think the Mets have any of their high payroll guys coming off of contract next season. In any context at all, do the Mets participate in free agency next offseason? And push a $500 million payroll. I guess it's it's sunk cost fallacy to an extent. Hey, we made this investment into this team because this is what our our guys said. This will do it. You gotta you don't gotta put your faith in them, but Man, I don't know how you burn after one year. Well, that's the guess thing. They they can't. The team will be too good next year. Okay, real quick. The players coming off of payroll next season. Um, Wilmer Becerra, who I don't know who that is, and his uh, money isn't even listed, so who cares? Gavin just Caccini, Darren Roof, Rooks Rayleigh. Eduardo Escobar, David Robertson, Carlos Correa, Mark Canna, and Max Scherzer. With the note that Max Scherzer has a player option, not a club option, for $43 million. Mark Canna, uh, Eduardo Escobar, Brooks Raleigh, and Darren Ruff all have club options. They are for uh, 12.1 mil, 9 mil, 6.5, 3.5, respectively. Um, so if everybody but Scherzer goes to leave the Scherzer one out of this, if everybody but Scherzer does not come back, that clears up from the 2023 payroll. Let's see, 20 million bucks, 34 million, 45 million, 45 million dollars. Is that what the Mets budget would be next off season? If Scherzer also doesn't come back, that frees up instead of 45, it'd be $88 million. Which, man, year over year, that's just such a comically large swing. Like, I... Because that's the part of it I'm dying to hear more people talk about. I don't care that they're spending the money. You know what I mean? We we want them to spend it. Yeah, and also, as we said a couple weeks ago, that's not the interesting part at all like money gets spent all the time it's the consequences of spending the money and what i'm dying to know is what the fuck do they do next offseason because uh i don't know who's going to be a free agent next year let's let's see hold on top end free agents next year are oh okay it's bad um really? <laughs> never mind yeah uh well max scherzer if he doesn't opt out uh, Trevor Bauer's contract finally expires with the Dodgers, which I'm sure they're going to be thrilled about. Miguel Cabrera, who no one's signing. Manny Machado, if he opts out. One guy so far. Shohei Otani. <laughs> okay. 
And then it gets then it gets rough. Uh, Marcus Stroman, Javi Baez, Josh Donaldson, Joey Votto, you Darvish, Clayton Kershaw, Hunjin Rude, Charlie Morton. Like you can see where this is going. It doesn't. It's not like, pretty. There's a handful of guys there Rafi that Devers. I would love to bring in for depth. Man, so Devers, Otani, and Machado are the free agency class. Um, there's Matt nobody Chapman, else. Matt Chapman, actually. Sorry, Matt Chapman's contract also expired. Really? That mm-hmm. soon? Oh, oh damn. Did, Josh. Josh, do not do not give me this whole debate of Manny Machado and Juan Soto and him possibly moving on and then also just dangling Matt Chapman right there. You know how I feel. I do. Ugh. There's a handful of good depth guys here. I mean, um, Randall Grichuk will be a free agent. Uh, Louis, oh, Louis Severino, don't leave. I love you. Uh, Enrique Hernandez. There's some good depth, but there's no one like the splashy dudes. I think are going to be Matt Chapman, Shohei Otani, um, Manny Machado. No one else really is like, ooh, gasp. They're available. I honestly would, I know this is bad for me to say, but this would be a fun little social experiment if, perchance, we make the Mets collapse next year. I know they would never do it on their own, but if we were to somehow fix this and then force them into this decision and see if they go and spend $600 million to sign Shohei Otani until he's 41. Do you think Steve Cohen would do it? Like if if the older pitching gets hurt, if Scherzer opts out, if one of their, I don't know, big hitters or or whatnot, or they just don't have enough around like Lindor and Alonzo, would Steve Cohen go into the deep, deep corners of his pockets and sign Shohei Otani to a $40 million a year deal? $50 million a year? Yeah. Oh, I, well, I want to fucking see that. I And I think the other thing is, because Eduardo Escobar is currently the third baseman for the, the Mets, and he um is going to be off contract next year, I think they're also going to be big players for one of Chapman and Machado. Or, or Machado. Um, Nothing would hurt me huge. more than seeing Manny Machado go to the New York Mets. That would fucking hurt me. It's it's funny because the the starting lineup of the Mets, and I'm not trying to be salty. I promise the starting lineup of the Mets still isn't very impressive. Is that bad? They are playoff pitching. Like that is a team I would be devastated well, to face in the playoffs. But as a whole. I'm not impressed by the bullpen outside of Diaz. And yeah, the back end of that pitching could fall off a cliff. It'll be it'll be I do I do hold Cookie Carrasco close to my heart. I'm sure. And I'm not even talking about their 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 pitching because their their pitching I have like no concerns with. They are going to be good. Um they're hitting. I don't know. I have, I have doubts as to how good it, it can really be, but 
It might also be just me being a hater. I don't know. We'll see. Yeah. Yeah, I'll who hate. knows? I think it's funny when they lose. It is. It's so funny when they lose. We all need to acknowledge the fact that it's just funny when they lose. It's all there is to it, folks. It's funny when the Mets don't win. Such is life. Um. All right. So anyway, Brandon Nemo. It's, uh, it's a lot of money. It's maybe too much money. It's a lot of money. Who knows? I think uh, it'll work out fine money-wise. Fucking everyone's getting paid a billion dollars nowadays. Yeah, it doesn't matter. That's the real point. Uh, yeah, no one else had like an exciting contract, so I guess we'll leave that be. Uh, the last thing, baseball-wise, I, I guess I think is probably worth discussing. Uh, as I comb through the other transactions and don't see anything remotely interesting, is um. Oakland. Oakland trading Sean Murphy, the catcher, to Atlanta, who is uh, probably top five catcher in MLB today. Uh, it was a three-way trade. So Atlanta receives Sean Murphy from Atlanta. Milwaukee acquires uh, William Contreras, Justin Yeager, and Joel Piamps uh, from a mix of Atlanta and Oakland. And Oakland receives uh, catcher Manuel Pena, Left fielder Estery Ruiz, starting pitcher Kyle Kyle Muller. Oh my God! Starting pitcher Freddie Tarnock and starting pitcher Roybert Salinas. I don't know what the ah. Uh, it feels like a threat. It feels like Oakland is saying we won't stop until we get what we want, but I don't know what they want. It's like they're thinking daring that when you Manfred. Said it. It's like it's like they're daring Manfred to make them sell the team for some reason, but like I don't know why, because this doesn't make yeah. any sense. It's great for Atlanta and Milwaukee. I think both those teams did a really good job with their returns. I mean, Atlanta getting Sean Murphy alone is great. Milwaukee's three players that they acquired is solid. No, it's not great. A team should not be able to acquire this much talent and putting up so little against it. They can't just keep getting away with this. Like, they can't be getting these trades for nothing. They can't be signing to these guys to minimal contracts. And they can't be doing that all at once to just building a superstar team. I don't even mean it from that perspective. I mean it from from more like why is Oakland allowed why is Oakland allowed to be doing this? Why why is Oakland allowed to be just be they their payroll is zero dollars right now. They don't have a player under contract heading into next season. It doesn't make any sense. And they're trading away the only players that like Sean Murphy wasn't even going to make money this season from Oakland. Not real money. He's still an arbitration eligible player. So like how on earth are they allowed to do this? Isn't this why the owners have the ability to veto these kind of things? I think the league office can veto trades. I'm not sure if owners like from teams uninvolved. I'm not sure if owners can veto trades. Also, That's I fair. misspoke. Manuel Pena is a veteran and he is making $4.5 million this year. So 
Oakland's payroll is now not zero dollars, but four and a half million dollars. Wow. Yeah. Impressive. Oh, very. I, that's what I mean when I say that, like, this feels like a threat. It feels like the only reason you would move on from a player like Sean Murphy and for as little as you're getting for him. Because it, I mean, think about if Oakland did this. Imagine Oakland got rid of, um, oh God, what's that catcher's name that they have now? Son of a bitch. I can't keep anyone's name in my fucking head. What's his name? Uh, what I team? I want to say Austin Hedges, and I know it's not Austin Hedges. Adley Rutschman. Oh, imagine, Baltimore. Oh, okay. Or, or imagine uh, Cedric Mullins, who was like the first like guy that, that they had that came up when they were really bad. And you're like, okay, at least they've got this guy. Imagine they were like, all right, we have a team full of nobodies and a rookie that we're paying nothing to because he's a rookie and just traded him for no reason. That's what this is. He's the, Sean Murphy. Is he a superstar? No. Catchers often aren't unless you can hit a bunch of bombs, which most just don't. And the ones that do usually don't hit, like play the position very well. Um, but it doesn't make any sense. The only reason I feel like a team would do this would be like a fuck you. Like we're going to keep being bad until you cave into our demands. You let us, I don't know, move towns, right? I don't, I don't know. Like if Miami was like, we don't want to be in Miami. We want to be in Louisiana. Like, and we'll be bad until you let us do it or some stupid shit. I don't know. So if, and it, or or I, I guess maybe Oakland is doing this to the city. Maybe it's it's a stadium play because they've been trying to get the city council to approve that new stadium deal for, I don't know, three years. It feels like a threat. I just... I understand why the trade can't be vetoed if that is the rule. I'm assuming it is. But, God, the owners have to do something about them running a payroll. This, like, running a payroll that's 70 times less than what the Mets are doing right now. Like, it's so, like, you can't even describe how silly it is to have a $4.5 million payroll to a layperson because I don't think they would ever grasp how historically bat shit that insane that is compared to the rest of the league. Oh, and the other part of it is is that Oakland, the owners of, and this is a, a big to do with the Rays a couple of years ago, and it's going to be even worse with how much money Steve Cohen is now pumping into the system of um, share the, the pool of shared money, the com- competitive balance pool, which is that the owner of the Oakland Athletics is going to be able to make money off of his portion of revenue sharing, which is not how it's quote unquote supposed to work. Technically speaking, every owner makes money off of the competitive balance pool because you got to think about it. Like they would have spent the money on that payroll anyway. And they're lying and saying they couldn't pay more, which they could blah, 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 blah. I understand. But literally if with every other team, if you ran, if you just did the subtraction of uh, payroll, less competitive balance pool money, there would still be some surplus 
that will need to theoretically come out of the owner's pockets, right? Mm -hmm. Oakland is about to be in a position where I don't think they have to do that, which means 100% of their revenue will be pure profit outside of operating expenses because none of their payroll will have to go against it. It'll only come off of revenue sharing because I don't think they're going to run. I mean, how, let me see how much revenue sharing is this year. I don't think because I don't think they're going to run a 30. I don't think they're going to run a 20 million dollar payroll this year at this rate. Uh, Spot track might have a projection. Get out of here. What? Each team will receive one hundred ten million dollars through revenue sharing. Wow. Jesus. Get out of here. That's way. I thought it was like 25 mil. Oh my God. Jesus Christ. What? What's the incentive to stop? Like, we always say they need to do something, but, like, truthfully, what is the incentive to stop? Well, ultimately, one would think that should it get this bad, like, it got pretty bad with the Dodgers around, I want to say, 2012. No, it must have been earlier than that. Maybe it was, like, 2002. It is... In the early 2000s, I don't remember when, not a Dodgers fan, and I feel like I was still a kid at the time, um, ownership was not trying. And MLB stepped in to enforce that ownership group to sell the team. That's when the Dodgers got good. Because the new ownership came in and was like, oh, we like winning baseball games. And We're started, pumping money into the, yeah, started pumping money into the Dodgers. Hold on, Dodgers' most recent sale. Um, so that would be that would be the um, the incentive would be that if you don't try for long enough you, you you'll lose the team which is again why I'm kind of surprised that MLB is like letting this happen to the degree that it's happening as fast as it's happening uh, 2012 actually was 2012 I was right the first time uh, Guggenheim Baseball Management bought the team for $2 billion. What a steal. Yeah, it's Robert Patton, Stan Kasten, Mark Walter, Magic Johnson, Pete Goober, and Todd Bowley. Some shit like that. Um, Magic Johnson is so much taller than everybody else and is the only black man here. Uh, anywho. And, you know, that's a pretty big... If this is the cash cow that we all know it is, and you don't have to try very hard, as MLB has shown, you do not. Their threshold for, for pain is quite high. It's unfathomable that Oakland has been allowed to do... Nobody, dude. Their payroll is nobody. Their roster is nobody. To the degree that we joke about triple A teams... They are that to the worst degree I've ever seen. They're literally a triple A team. 
the Orioles at their nadir were better than this. Even if Oakland outplays the Orioles at their lowest, roster construction-wise, this is still a worse team. Because at least when the Orioles were bad, they had guys that you kind of expected something from. Like Chris Davis was there. He was bad, but he was there. And then he split time with like Trey Mancini. And you're like, all right, Trey Mancini's kind of there. And there was, you know, Manny Machado was there for a year at the end or half a season at the end. Like, you know, there there were guys that were clear representations of either the the changing of regime or, or, or you know, the changing of the old guard into the new guard with I, from either end of the spectrum. And from here, there's nobody. Their playoff window is at least four years away. If they make manage to make one. Like, we talked about this conversation a lot when this was the um the fuck it's blanking so I bring it up when the Rays were going through it but they were successful the A's are actively making their team seemingly as bad as possible and I mean we we all saw the attendance figures from last year yeah and you know what you know what and this this is why why again I'm I'd imagine that ownership just other owners are going to have to step in at some point. Which is going to make them sound like they're good guys. Selfishly speaking, they have to step in at some point. Because if you're not bringing in money, you have a reduced fan base that's going to the stadium. You have a re- which means you have a reduced fan base that is watching games. Which basically means saying it's basically saying when opposing teams come into your stadium, they're supposed to share a portion of the gate. If there's no gate, the opposing teams aren't making as much money. And mm-hmm. if there's money to be made on uh, TV rights, but teams aren't, your fans aren't watching your games on TV, then there's less revenue uh, opportunity there as well. Which is, again, going to factor into the splitting of money for teams directly in competition, in, in individual game competition, right? Because again, if the Tigers come mm-hmm. into Oakland Coliseum, they get money for doing that. And it's going to affect your contribution to revenue sharing, which is basically making you a leech on the back of this uber wealthy society, which will not be looked upon favorably by people who are billionaires because they are scumbags. Um, it's unsustainable. <laughs> Uh, would you buy the team? Think you could afford it from them with how low their pushing value? Look, all we need to do is take out a meager $1 billion loan. I think we can do it. Uh, we just defer interest payments. Your father? Yes, I just, uh, if only my father small owned an emerald, emerald mine. <laughs> if only. And, and then and then we'll buy the A's and we'll say that we're the founders. <laughs> we would have to change the name to like the the M's. Well, they are the M's. Um, what's the letter not use? The X's. Sure. I think we could do it. I think we could pull enough of us together. 20 bucks from everybody. Cover. And then we'll make them a de facto alt-right organization for some reason. Well, you know, for the power. Yes. Because I play both sides. That way I <laughs> always come out on top. 
uh, and they'd have to let us do it because of you know the implication. Yeah. Oh, all right. I uh, I think we've gone on for long enough. Um, we had some football stuff we were going to talk about, but such is life. We'll get to it another time. Sure. Uh, unless there's anything you want to say before we wrap up, we have another show. Um. Yeah. No, I'm set. All right. Well, then, in that case, if you'd like to follow the show, you can do so on Twitter, at JuicingPod. You can follow Corbin on Twitter, is at Corbin Hallop. You can follow myself on Twitter, you can do so at Joshua D. Tracy. If you'd like to send emails to the show, you can do so at JuicingTheNumbers at gmail.com. And until Monday, y'all have a good one. Bye.